Well, hello everyone and welcome back to the Aesthetics of Leadership podcast. I am your host, Edwin Adams, and today I wanted to say thank you. Thank you for an incredible three seasons of the podcast. Thank you for all the positive vibes, all the great conversations, all the positive ratings and feedback that you've given the show that has raised the show to a top podcast rating on Anchor. And I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for everything that you have done to make this podcast a success. So uh, I've listened to all of your feedback, and essentially you wanted more from your podcast episodes. So I'm going to give it to you. Um, On all the major podcast outlets, you're going to get two episodes every month. And these are going to continue to be leaders uh, across various industries, transformational artists from a lot of different areas. Uh, We're going to add as much value to we as we possibly can in those two episodes that you'll get on every podcast outlet. But if you want more, I've created a membership community, and it's the Aesthetics of Leadership podcast community. And I hope you join us. I hope you join because you get two extra episodes of my teachings and my perspectives on the two recorded episodes every month. We also hop on Zoom calls every month so that we can share additional dialogue and I can add even more value to you. Now, in the membership community, um, you get video podcast episodes that you can carry with you everywhere, downloadable transcripts. You can search for the episodes that you are interested in listening to by keyword. So if you wanted to know about all all of the episodes that we talk about fear in, Just search for fear and instantaneously you see all of the episodes and where in the episode that we talk about that keyword. So fantastic technology supported by Searchy.io and I'm excited to share that with you within the membership community. So if you want to learn more, head over to aestheticsofleadership.com. If you have additional questions after that, please don't hesitate to let me know. So without further ado, I want to get on to the beginning of Season 4, Episode 62 with Chuck Taylor. You probably remember Chuck from Season 1, Episode 20. He is the troublemaker turned entrepreneur. And in this episode, we talk about transitions, which is the first part of the men's map process, self-awareness. All right? Self-awareness and your personal identity or your superpowers that you can step forward authentically in finding purpose and passion. So join me with Chuck Taylor right now. Chuck, this is going to be a conversation around transitions because here, here is my hypothesis. I think we are all coming out of a period of time in our lives where uh, some of us have been victims to it and some of us have been champions through it. And I would categorize you in the latter of that, um, where you spent a lot of the pandemic time working on self and that has then allowed you to see tremendous opportunity, make significant gains, not only in your personal life, but also in your business life. 
And then I think there are going to be a lot of us out there who struggle to transition back to our new reality. Um, so I'm curious, Chuck, what is it that you notice are going to be the key resistances or barriers, if you will, that people are going to run into in trying to transition into a new way to work, a new way to uh, live, a new way to be an entrepreneur, a new way to um, be be healthy and wealthy, so to speak. I'd love I'd love your perspective uh, on resistance. Uh, well, I guess the one of the biggest barriers um, that I've encountered is uh, the self, um, yourself, um, you, the way we procrastinate with things. Um, you know, even myself with uh, some of the stuff we talked about, the YouTube video. You know, so that. Your question with barriers, I think that biggest barriers for us often is ourself, regardless of, you know, coming into or out of a pandemic. Um, So I do think that would be uh, the number one thing. You know, number two, I guess, is just really building habits um, for, I guess, someone that, you know, maybe didn't spend the pandemic, um, you know, pursuing something new or as an opportunity to grow or not. I think that would be the biggest barrier one, because, you know, you have to look back on what your habits were during this whole thing. But two, I think things have changed Uh, as a society. Things are different. I think our needs are different. Um, I think you've seen transitions in companies that they are like, oh, well, we have this big office and all these overhead and we don't really need it, you know. And so you, you see these things and I think that would be one is like building the appropriate habits and two um, is, you know, being able to see opportunities with things being changed and being different than they were, you know, two years ago. Yeah. So let's let's break each of those down, Chuck, because I, I think you're you're spot on in in your assessment. So when we talk about self. I guess the one thing that comes to mind during the pandemic was the degree of fear that I believe was um, mongered, <laughs> if you want to use the media as, a, as an example of clickbait or fear mongering, whatever you want to call it. I think a lot of people fell victim to fear and got really small in the way they thought. So therefore, growth was not an opportunity, neither were opportunities or even habits at that point, because they couldn't think beyond uh, scarcity. So I would, I would really love to hear what, what your thoughts are on fear and maybe from your past, how you've been able to maybe shift your perspective on the value of fear. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, one, I think if we're aware that fear does not serve us in any form or fashion, you have a advantage point from the get-go. If you, you can have that perspective, because it is true. Now, I understand people do, well, like, hey, fear keeps me from jumping off like a high ledge. I realize there's times that we do have to be realistic or use information that others may, may use as fear or to let them, let, that information build fear in others. I think we can sometimes not emotionally react to that, look at the same information and say, okay, I have this information. Instead of being scared, I'm just not going to jump off the cliff. So 
one, I think is having an awareness that fear does not serve us. It puts us in a position where we're thinking on a, we're just, we're vibrating on a lower, you know, uh, vibration frequency, what, what do you want to call it, whatnot. It's more difficult to uh, be polite to each other, to other people. It's difficult to spot opportunities. Fear just inhibits a lot of things. We're very, very powerful beings. I don't think we really get 100% of what we're capable of, but fear kind of compresses all those things and makes it harder and more difficult to do stuff. So one is being able to set fear aside and say, okay, it does not serve me. I should not be scared. And then this is something that we talked about the other day when we had coffee is, uh, you know, we have to, what we've seen aside from jumping in to like conspiracy theories is that we've seen a polarity and regardless of what side you're on, what we have seen on both sides is propaganda and misinformation or maybe not. It's just, let me bend this a little bit to go with my narrative. And so what happens if you haven't worked on yourself in, in some form or fashion, you're building awareness. For me, that avenue is meditation. Having some quiet time. Um, some people write. Some people talk to themselves. I mean, I'm sure there's a thousand ways to skin a cat, but at the end of the day, we have to still the mind, quiet the body, drown out all this other noise so we can hear ourselves. Um, I don't want to like seem like I'm bragging or anything, but I will say that's one thing I'm very happy about. Um, and I felt like me and my wife did pretty well through this whole pandemic was keep a level head. Uh, and we, you know, I meditate, but my wife and I, we're also talking through a lot of these issues. It's another form of awareness. Hearing someone else's perspective and someone that respects you so you can debate issues, toss them around, you know, meditation, listen to yourself Two, being able to talk to someone that's trustworthy, that respects you, that listens because there are people with different perspectives, have different ideas, see things differently. So when you share those with someone you can respect and you value their opinion, then you can say, oh, okay, you know, maybe it is that way. And I think once you quiet, quiet your mind down a little bit, you're not so emotional, you have a couple people you can confide in, talk to, you and I have these, some of these conversations. When you have those things, <clears throat> then suddenly things become a little bit clearer. You know, you're like, okay, maybe I didn't necessarily know what was going on behind the scenes with the pandemic the whole time, but I knew like, hey, this party is pushing really hard for this. This party is pushing really hard for this. I'm not going to be swayed by every headline. And then it kind of falls back to sovereignty and self-responsibility. If I don't do that and I'm not emotionally swayed by every headline and I'm staying focused on the day-to-day -day agenda, which for me is growth, um, then I stay on that trajectory. My family stays in a relatively good position and we have a lot less to worry about or fear. So, I know that was a long explanation, but <laughs> that was a lot. Oh question. my gosh. Oh my gosh. I want to get to sovereignty and self-responsibility uh, toward the end of our conversation, but you, 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 I guess, beg a question from me. And that is, is fear real? So uh, I think it's as real as we make it. I'm sure you're familiar with the acronym. 
false evidence is appearing real. Um, so, you know, it, it fear is real if we make it real. Um, you know, and, and again, I think just anything, if there was two of me and the, the two of me, the exact identical person that's been through the exact same life and has had the exact same experience, but one had fear and the other one didn't, the one that didn't have fear is going to be the one that succeeds, whatever the task is. The one that does have fear, they may succeed, but they may not have near as good results. Chances are they're probably not going to succeed because that fear inhibits our thinking. And when we're not in fear, where we can maybe easily find a solution, when we are in fear, we're not. Like you said, the people were in fear of lack of. So there was a lot of people that couldn't use the pandemic as an opportunity of growth where some of these people that have dealt with some hard times in their life and they've already had to deal with fear and overcome fear. Uh, I saw a lot of those people thrive during the pandemic. Whether it was their, you know, business or, you know, they just, maybe they had a nine to five, but they all of a sudden they got to spend more time with their wife and their kids. Like just because the mindset, I've seen so many different various situations but the people with the mindset that don't opt into fear have been the people that have thrived over this past year. So fascinating. That that uh, makes me even more curious then is uh, you, you clearly have described that fear is something to be perceived, right? I mean, you can have different perceptions of the same event. And some people might find it scary or fearful because they're using the context of their past experiences to shape their perception of this one. And then yeah. other people might have had different experiences that that created an, an empowerment. But it begs the uh, uh, yet another question, Chuck, it, it, if it is not real and it only feels real to people, fear is created within our minds. It doesn't exist out in nature. Is that a, is that a true statement? Yeah. It's uh, not something tangible you can grasp. Um, yeah. It's, it's real if we make it real. Um, and if you realize that it's just an emotion, here's a good rule of thumb that has served me well. In my younger life, <laughs> I wasn't making good decisions. But I also would just make decisions no matter what. If I was mad, pissed off, if I was sad, depressed, if I was coming off a drug hangover, whatever, I, I just made decisions. And because of that, I made a lot of decisions. So I think we have to realize that fear is not tangible, but it is a, an emotion that you will have to deal with time, time and time again. Even people that have, you know, worked on themselves, I've worked on myself 10 to 15 years and I still deal with fear. <laughs> but I think once you can recognize it as emotion, use that rule, which the rule that has served me well is don't make decisions, especially major decisions when you're emotional. If you're angry, don't make a decision. I encourage you to wait. If you're fearful, you're emotional. Don't make a decision. Same thing if you're sad or if you're super excited. Positivity, being happy, I think that's a great thing. But you can also be overly ambitious, overzealous. You know, so I think it's very calm. And this is why daily I spend time to meditate, quiet the mind, kind of 
you know, clear my mind, clear my body. So I can go into the day with a fresh perspective rather than carrying maybe some emotional baggage from yesterday and bringing it into the day. And so it's kind of like a fresh start every day. Yeah, that, that, that's brilliant. I, I appreciate that so much. And it, it makes me wonder um, if we are the ones who created the fear in the first place, it would make sense then that we have the opportunity to create um, something else in its place. Right. So, so we talk about um, in, in a, in a previous episode I recorded today, we talked about consistency and they were looking toward building consistency and better habits to create different outcomes. And I'm like, well, technically people are being really consistent on the other end of that scale as well. They're being consistent in making uh, bad decisions and bad choices. So consistency is not the thing here. It is some, there's something else to that story. It's not just consistency because they're practicing both sides consistently and they're getting either positive or negative results. So it must be in the planting of something into fertile soil to create growth, to create a different outcome and keep doing that consistently. Does that make sense? So, yeah. so if it's a fear um, we're creating the emotion and we've gotten really good at it because we've been practicing the creation of fear for so long. If we want to, if we want to change that, it's going to require maybe a different soil that we discover in our minds. It's going to take a different light, a different, uh, seed, so to speak, that we plant to create the opposite of fear. So what would you say then, Chuck, is is the opposite of fear? And and perhaps what would be some steps at planting uh, in order to create something different? Man, you're giving me goosebumps over here. <laughs> uh, man, this stuff is right up my alley. Uh, some of the stuff that I've been through and dealt with really heavily in my life. So I'll, I'll return the question to you, just to make sure you agree. I would say, if I had to pin one single word, the opposite of fear is hope. Would you agree? I think that fear is a, or of confidence, maybe, but it's something on that side of like hope. I'm confident, like things are going to go great moving forward. That's the opposite of fear is more being hopeful rather than being pessimistic being optimistic. So the best way I've found to do that, and I know a lot of people are going to hear this and like, oh, I've heard this before. And I think what happens is a lot of people brush the surface and it's gratitude, 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 gratitude. I cannot explain <laughs> like it, it enough or enforce it enough. It's been such a game changer for me. Um, my perception of myself, my perception of life, at first, it does seem type of kind of redundant. You may do some exercise. For me, it started with a five-minute journal some years ago. Five-minute journal has it takes five minutes, and it's got three or has a few little sections, and you write what you're thankful for, you know, what you got planned that day. I can't remember, but there's a little part of gratitude. And at first, I'm like, yeah, this is really redundant. I'm doing this every day, you know. And then I kind of got away from that and I was just journaling and every morning I would journal and I'd write it down. And then something kind of clicked just after having built that habit for so long where, you know, I was saying I was grateful for these things and I was really, you know, 
trying to, man, like my dog, he's been through a lot with me whenever I was single before I got married, just been super amazing dog, super loyal, love him. So I was always thankful for my dog. Very easy to be thankful for my dog, but it's harder to be thankful for some things like, man, looking outside and seeing beautiful green trees and hills and landscapes and stuff like that. Sometimes we miss out on things in life because we don't know how to be grateful for them. But one day something clicked and I was just going through some gratitude and I just started crying <laughs> and it was all tears of joy. And, you know, now I, I do that often. Uh, part of my meditation is five minutes of, of gratitude in there. And it's probably once or twice a week I cry, you know, and they're tears of joy just because my life today is like what age is like almost a different life compared to my past. So I'm very, very grateful for that. But I think that if I didn't have those gratitude practices, I don't, I think I would miss out on a lot of these things. I see my, I see some friends of mine that are very successful, but they don't have some of these gratitude practices. And while they appreciate some things, they also don't appreciate some things. You know, they're driving $100,000, $150,000 cars plus, and it's like, you know, nothing to them. And so I think it's really sweet when we slow down the mind, we develop a, a habit of gratitude because then you start recognizing and seeing all the simple things. And it gets to a point where even if things aren't 100% favorable, you still look at life and you're like, it's too beautiful to be sad. It's too beautiful to be, you know, not growing and thriving and trying to, you know, live this life to the fullest experience. It's, it's a lot to wow. be for out there. So what I hear you saying is that um, to, to reverse consistent response to fear and being small is to plant the habit of being grateful for the abundance that that is around you and you haven't been able to see it. So you need to practice um, seeing that and being grateful for it as something as simple as a dog or a beautiful flower outside your, your, your door or something like that. So am I hearing you correctly that the, yeah. the way to combat fear is with gratitude? I, I truly believe so. And I, I think that your gratitude is going to get so big one day, there's no room for fear. I can't say one time during this whole pandemic, was I scared? You know, I mean, I was kind of like, hey, let's let's see what's going to happen with our business. <laughs> you know, I've never been through a situation like that, but I wasn't in fear of my life. You know, the first couple of weeks, I think we wore masks to really like gauge what was going on and immediately took self-responsibility. Started supplementing vitamin D3, found out magnesium helps absorb vitamin D3. Started taking magnesium in the morning, take vitamin D at lunch, started juicing twice a week. So I never even had time to be scared. You know, I just, and I think that's what's happened. When we're talking, the yin and the yang is coming to mind. So you have this perfect circle and you have the black and the white. So if you pull out fear, you've got to replace it with something. And that's, you know, hope. And I, I think, again, Gratitude induces hope. It induces positivity, induces courage. Um, 
I mean, everything. I, I think gratitude is a huge catalyst for a lot of change in my life. Love that. Love that. So um, that that moves us to number two in your list. So so fear um, self was one resistance and fear was a big component of that. So I want to look at the the building of habits, Chuck. I think people struggle with with habit because it is either a disruption of their comfort zone or it is so unfamiliar it does not have last lasting ability associated with it. So my question for you is, um, I think we can look at New Year's resolutions. We can look at fad diets as a as a, a initial energy, followed by this down curve of performance that eventually goes back to zero and people fall backwards into their comfort zone. How do how do you empower your habits? with longevity? What do you tie the habit to so that it has a longer life than maybe what most people experience with the incorporation of a new habit into their world? Um, one, I think we should kind of go back to like the conversation we had with fear, where I said fear does not serve you. I just, I, I, again, you can argue that, hey, it keeps me from jumping off the cliff or, but again, you can have the information that if I jump off the cliff, I'm going to die, but not be scared, but you still use that information to just not jump off the cliff. So I think fear 100% absolutely does not serve us. Habits can go both ways. Habits can tear us down or they can build us up. So one, I think we should have very good awareness of what habits that we are implementing on our day-to-day schedule. Um, are they habits for goals that you want to accomplish? Or are they habits because your friend that's making 2 million a year, that's what he does. So I think that's one thing that we have to do is a lot of people, they set up habits like, okay, your new year's resolution, you're going to go to the gym. That's a new habit. Why? Because you want to get in shape. I don't think that's a good enough goal. I don't. I think you should say, hey, I want to be this way by this date. And then I want to maintain, you know, this moving on. Or if you're a dude, like maybe you want to grow your arms to 25 inches or you want to get six pack or you want to have aesthetics. But set some more specific goal that you really want to reach. Because, again, this is stuff that people have probably heard, but when you can see that in product, that in goal, it kind of helps keep you in the game. So, you know, you may not have the six pack or the perfect physique, but if you know you want to be aesthetically pleasing, you want to look good, you know, you want to have a V shape, you want to have all this. Well, you're going to go to the gym. And if you keep the right mindset, when you see another guy that has that physique, you're going to be like, that's going to motivate you. You're not going to get jealous. You're going to be like, yeah, that's what I want to look like. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. And so I think it's very, very important that that's where people start, because a lot of times we just make decisions, you know, based off our programming, what our parents taught us, how we grew up, where we came from, culture, um, tradition, things like that. So really boiling down to what you want, uh, one, a good book I'd like to recommend. It really helped turn it around for me. It's called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Uh, it's a relatively short read. He's got all the tools online. If you will take some time and invest in yourself, 
probably take a, a few hours to do it, but he breaks it down with you. And a lot of what, you know, my model of the four pillars are wellness are kind of a simplified version of this worksheet he does, which breaks it down into business, social, physical, mental, financial. You have all these categories. And he says, hey, you know, write out all these goals in each category. And then you deduce by which of these are your priorities. And once you deduce, you know, down to like, I can't, it's been a while since I've done these exact exercises, but I'm going to say it's three to five goals. Then you start building your day-to-day habits. And so that's when it really clicked for me because I could apply, this is where I want to go. These are the things I need to do every day to push me in that direction. Um, So for instance, finances, we talked about that. Um, We'll jump back to finances real quick. I want to answer one of your questions about longevity on habits. I think it's important for us to have habits and to be consistently growing, but we also have to have awareness. Again, there's some habits we want to keep long-term and there's also habits you want to change. You're going to grow. Your situation's going to change. So you constantly want to adjust. Plus you also, let's say you have a habit and then you hit the goal. You don't have to do that habit anymore. So what are you going to put in its place? So I think we have to keep some awareness on that. Uh, But getting back to finances, finances was like my weak spot. I was terrible, terrible, terrible with finances. Um, You know, my brother and I have been making money for years with the company and I was still having the same problems. Out of money, not able to pay bills, you know, just same problems, not good credit. And so I was just like, okay, I've had enough, you know, I should be doing better considering the money I'm making. And I was just like, all right, altered my habits, tweaked them just a little bit. And I decided to study Duolingo once a day for 15 minutes, free, pretty much college education course on uh, macroeconomics, microeconomics and financials. I did that. And then I felt to, I started getting to the point where I started understanding things a little bit better. There was like a personal budget exercise in there. And then I started asking people that are truly financially successful, that have financial freedom, not people that drive Maseratis and things like that. Uh, People that do what they want. People that live how they want, like absolutely live how they want. Whether it's go to Thailand for two months and work remotely and fly first class with the bed, like whatever, you know, they do what they want and they've just been very, very good with their money and growing it. So I asked them and it took me about two years, but just one day something clicked. The next thing you know, my net worth just started, you know, going up. So I've changed that habit. I don't study finance every day. I'm going to, I'm studying real estate because I've got finance. I've gotten better at it. Um, I'm sure there'll be a point where I'll need to learn another level, but for now I want to learn real estate because I want to become an expert in my field. That's what I do. And then I can marry those together, but that's for the long-term vision, because if I can marry those together, then I can start doing much, much bigger deals, um, which much with much, much bigger profit. If I understand both sides of the, the, the transaction. So it's just, uh, I think we need to be awareness 
having awareness of what we want. A lot of people don't know even what they want, you know? So that's why I said, great place to start Darren Hardy, that book, spending a couple hours going through those exercises, taking time and thinking like what you really, really want and not what people want, not maybe what your wife wants or, you know, what your parents might want, but what do you really, really want in life? You deduce that down on paper, then it's a lot easier to build habits that, you know, you really need to get you where you want to go. Wow. Um, again, a lot of stuff in there to break down. And two things stood out to me, Chuck, that, that I, I'd love some help with. Priorities. Why, why do you think uh, it is so hard for people to make, let's pick on health and fitness right now, because I'm, I'm a perfect example of, of this. Uh, my wife and I joke frequently that we gained the COVID-19 pounds during the pandemic. We made some, some bad choices and we were happy as larks being in our house during the pandemic. And okay, so we over, we overate. Why then do a lot of people not think deeply enough into what they desire in order to set something as a priority? What's the, what's the resistance that prevents people from truly understanding what it is they want? Is it because of so much noise and external influence that, that, that that's clouding their vision and they're thinking the answer is out here somewhere or out, out here. Let me get my hand in the camera. Um, and is the journey in inside to deduce that so scary and overwhelming that, you know what, well, I'm just staying away from that. What, how would, how would you begin a conversation around wants uh, in order to set priorities in the first place? Yeah. You know, that's a, uh... One, I would say it is mostly us. It's on the inside. We can blame outside circumstances all we want, but at the end of the day, we're just creating excuses and we're not going to get anywhere like that. We got to take responsibility. So I will, you know, <laughs> match you on that. You saw what happened with the YouTube channel. One, that was one of the goals that I completely sucked on this year. You know, the first six months, I didn't do anything. Then you got this guy, what's his name? Jacob Paul. And he's like, anything's happening. I'm going to fight Mayweather. I'm not even a boxer. And he's fighting Mayweather. He's paid all this money. And like, he's worldwide famous now, you know? So with that being said, it's just a simple thing. We got to pull from our mind and the possibilities are limitless, endless. Um, so one thing too, I think, we use a lot of excuses. We tend to put ourselves in a box and, you know, we shouldn't do that. I don't think we should do that. My mentor hates the word should, <laughs> shouldn't, shouldn't, but I just don't think it's a, a good idea. Like for instance, some people go, oh, I'm just not an early morning person. And for me, that is the way that I have overcome all excuses. I wake up early and the habits I get those done first thing, first thing, because I have to make money. So the business thing, I'm going to do that every day. My wife's here. She's at the house. I have to pay attention to her. Not she'll leave. So, you know, that's going to happen. But she's sleeping in the morning. My dog's sleeping in the morning. Everybody else is sleeping in the morning. I'm not getting any phone calls. No emails are coming in. And matter of fact, I love the energy in the morning, the peace, the stillness. So I knock these things out. And I had a buddy call me the other day, same thing. He's done great with his business and financially make, makes a lot of money, drives a supercar, but he's 
trying to nail down finding a woman and he's trying to nail down the fitness thing. Um, and you know, he admires my physique, calls me up, asks some advice. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, you got this already, man. You crush business. You crush it. Apply that same thing to fitness. Well, I'm like, okay. Again, apply that same thing to fitness. Be relentless. Whether you're a morning person or not, make yourself a morning person. Wake up and go to the gym. <laughs> you know, and there's some people that do better at night, but I, I think the people that I've seen that do better at night, these are people that have worked on themselves and they have created a lot of disciplines. Um, so I think it's possible, but just in my experience, to eliminate a lot of excuses that will pop up because if you're working, all right, and, and you got a busy ass day and you get off at five, I guarantee you six times out of seven, you're going to be like, oh, I'm just too tired. I'm going to, I'll go tomorrow and I'll hit it an extra time on, on this weekend and, and I'll catch up. Well, the next thing you know, you just do that same thing on Friday, your friends invite you to happy hour and you're like, oh damn. And now you're down two days a week. And the same thing with the food, you know, like if you want to be fit, you've got to have those disciplines. And I always tell people, I'm like, hey, man, just start with five days a week. Just start with nailing your fitness and nutrition five days a week and almost any habit. If you can do almost any habit five out of seven days a week, you're going to grow. You're going to grow. If you can do six out of seven, then you're going to have superior results. That's what I do. I tend to nail my nutrition six days a week. Sometimes I fall off, I'll do five, but almost every week relentlessly, I'm in the gym six times a week, even if my fitness is off a little bit. And it's probably rare that you have two days subsequent where you're off track. Uh, you, you maybe allow yourself one day, but never two. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I read that, uh, I read that T Boone's Pickens book recently, the first billion is the hardest. And he's like, I've been drunk before, but never two nights in a row. I'm like, <laughs> that's a good rule. <laughs> but I mean, same thing. He's got a good point there because like, hey, drink, it's fun. But if you start doing it a couple nights in a row, it's easy to fall into a slippery slope and build it's a another habit, habit that, yeah, that, yeah. that is going to take you downhill faster. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess I'm also curious, Chuck, if um, is it is it does fear come back into this conversation again? Because I, it seems to me that people are fearing commitment to the, the goal and fully buying in and committing to it. Therefore, it's really hard to build a sustainable habit on a wishy-washy goal that was never committed to in the first place. So do we have a commitment problem? Not, not necessarily a fear problem. Is fear secondary to commitment? Yeah. I, I mean, maybe we have a commitment problem because we were fearful <laughs> of, of things. Okay. Changing, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Not being the way they were, or, you know, I do think there's a commitment problem. I think that I, I've seen that in my, with myself in, in life. Uh, that's something that I've had to overcome. I'm seeing it right now with the uh, numbers of jobs that are available in the U S um, you know, it, it's crazy. I would say so. Yeah. It's, it's a commitment thing, but you know, if we don't commit to something, um, then we're going to be subject to the winds and the waves of life. If you're committed to something, 
you're going to hit by the waves and hit by the wind, but you're going to keep going forward. And you're going to get to a point where the waves and the wind calm down and it's beautiful and you're still moving forward, you know? So there's definitely a commitment problem, but the thing is, I think people have defined commitment as an unattractive thing. We see it in our dating scene. Um, you know, I, I was even there, something I had to, to overcome, um, you know, and I, I was, it was another unhealthy habit. And at the end of the day, I, I, I told my parents, I was like, I would never, I'm not going to get married, you know, just because I see, I watched so many marriages where people were not authentic with themselves, not authentic with others, arguing constantly, not happy. That's what I didn't want, but it didn't mean that I wanted to be single forever and just screwing around. I knew that wasn't right, <clears throat> but I'll tell you now, after I've committed to a good woman, my life has improved even more. And so I think that it's the same principle in life is a lot of times we're scared of commitment, but on the other side of commitment is that thing we want. And so, yeah, I think very much it's a commitment problem. So do you think it's a, a commitment becomes a problem because we feel as though we're giving something up? I, I guess freedom comes to mind if we're talking about relationship commitment. I, I know many guys delay commitment because they they still want their freedom and commitment takes freedom away. And mm -hmm. we can argue that point, but I guess I, I'm trying to get to what is it that we are afraid of losing that we can't see the abundance that commitment can actually bring. We're just, we're, I think we're short-sighted as humans. It's just hard for us to see it. And we're afraid of just, again, things changing up. So commitment, you're right. It feels like taking something away. For instance, let's, let's go back to my, the days I was doing drugs, you know, like I was having the time of my life. I thought I was, you know, and I was at one point hopping from people's couches, sleeping on different couches, eating Jack in a box food is basically what I was living off of. And I didn't see anything wrong with that. <laughs> Until finally I go to get my driver's license renewed and I see my picture and I'm like, Oh my God. Then I didn't care. I didn't even think about commitment or change because I was so comfortable and perceived to be happy that why would I give up this stuff? Well, as soon as I decided to quit doing drugs, it was almost impossible without dropping the friends I had. So, you know, these are big commitments. <laughs> these are the people that like have had my back. Like I have a place to stay because I'm sleeping on their couch and Every now and then when I don't have money from serving, they're buying me food, like, you know, but at the end of the day, I knew where I was going was not good. And I think we have to realize that if we can maybe push ourselves to be a little farsighted and to see what's possible, you know, it's even recently last year with the drinking thing, you know, that was one thing I, I picked up, I drank more with the pandemic, you know? And when we drink, we have a great time. We never have drama. I'll go out with my wife. I'll go out with my family. I'll go out with my friends. And we have a good time. No drama. No, like, we don't drive drunk. We don't make 
irresponsible decisions for the most part we're very very down to earth cool people just have a good time we like we like to drink a little heavy and we like to have good food but at the end of the day i knew long term for my health this is not good and what are we right in the middle of a health situation you know and i'm i'm preaching to everybody quit relying on the medical system start relying on yourself nutrition take care of yourself and same thing and so i had to come to a point where i say hey all right i'm going to be committed to not drinking during the week i can still have fun on the weekend i take much better care of my body now clear-headed and sure it's almost immediately that i committed to that and i started doing that i saw the results i feel better my physique's probably five percent better i enjoy the time on the weekend and then when i go and drink the next day i'm not guilt i don't feel guilty about it because i spent again five six days out of the week i did the thing i should do you know and there's that one day a week well, I go out and I eat, I overeat, I eat hamburgers, I eat Wagyu, I eat fatty stuff, fried stuff. I enjoy myself, but that's not my everyday habit. You know, what's in my fridge is way different than what I might eat at a restaurant. Lots of chicken and sirloin and broccoli and fruits and vegetables. And that's, that's my core habit. But no, I, I just think that um, we were talking about commitment. I think that if we get committed, <laughs> once we kind of get over that initial hump, we're going to look back and we're going to wish we had done it a long time ago. And once you start doing that one or two or three times, then you kind of start building this habit of wanting to make new commitments and wanting to keep changing and re reaching new heights because it's a good feeling. The feeling that I had from being on lots of drugs or the feeling I had from drinking a lot of booze, nothing compares to being on top of your game nothing and so i think that's what we just have to do is realize that if we let go of what we have there's something greater out there for us but it's hard for us to see that oh, i love that i love that i mean chuck you speak to uh these pillars that you've kind of organized your your life around and you talk about um sovereignty and self-responsibility quite a bit and i i respect both of those and all of that, that that you preach for for people coming out of transition from a very small way of thinking from a very small space of living and breathing and and working and living how do you transition people then into transition so that they come out of the pandemic into their new normal uh empowered I guess is the word I'm looking for, because I, I think people see this gap between where they are and perhaps where you're talking about sovereignty and personal responsibility. And those words are a little blurry to them right now because mm -hmm. their thinking's not at the right level. So what maybe how, how could you step me then from from small transitory thinking into sovereignty and and self-development? OK, um... Well, I think to start off, we start with personal responsibility. I think sovereignty is a big, big thing. And even myself, I'm not 100% completely sovereign in a lot of ways. You know, we, we are reliant on each other to an extent, and we are in this together. That's, and that's fair. 
And then they're saying like, define that, Chuck. Maybe define uh, define sovereignty for people in case they're going. Well, isn't that a political term, or um, isn't that have something to do with politics? Well, let's actually because I, I did look that up before I really started incorporating it into my philosophy. But let's look up that exact definition. Um, so per, sovereignty, I think, starts with personal responsibility. But sovereignty, yes, it is to the country a lot. But the reason I say this is one you're going to have peace of mind, much more peace of mind at the end of the day, if you have true sovereignty. Um, and that means that, you know, no matter what happens, are you going to be okay? You know, and that's like, Hey, if the pandemic hits, are you going to be okay? If our food shortage bottoms out, are you going to be okay? You know, like, so there's a number of things that go into sovereignty and I think it's a big thing and it takes a while for us to, to get there, but it does start with personal responsibility, which I'll get back to, but sovereignty is supreme power or authority. And so I always put self sovereignty and that's the way that I really believe this reality was designed. If we blame others, which we always can blame other people, we can always find ways and it's easy to justify. I've been there, done that. Then you put the power in their court. You put the power somewhere else. When you take personal responsibility, you put the power in your court. And that's and controllable. Say, I mean, we okay, always worry about what we can I'm, and can't control. That's when your, your personal sovereignty is something you can control. Right. And just like when I was doing drugs, I could have been like, well, all my friends do drugs and they keep buying drugs and it's just always around. And, you know, I just, maybe I just, I wish I was born somewhere else or I need to be somewhere else or I need better friends. I've heard people say that people tell me that, man, you're talking to the wall. If you're talking to me, you, you have to literally say, all right, no, you are picking up that pill and putting it in your mouth free or not. I don't, I don't care. Like I, I, and this is why I'm real big on this and I'm compassionate on some subjects, but I'm not because I literally have dug myself out of this. I didn't have anybody come slap me in the face and say, Hey, Chuck, you need to wake up, dude. Like you're about to die. I have friends that were encouraging me, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, you're my bro. Like, Oh, blah, blah. And, you know, so I had to take responsibility and say, these are the results. And I, I was such a victim in a, such a hard way. And I just want to share with y'all, maybe it gives hope to other people that are going to listen to this, but I was in a bad position. I was like, I'm ugly. I'm short. I'm not athletic compared to some of my friends. And I wasn't at the time I've worked on my physical fitness for a long time. I just had this very, very terrible look on myself and thought very little of myself. And I was making decisions according to that. You know, and it was not a good thing. So I had to say, okay, it's totally up to me. Nobody's going to rescue me. Nobody's going to save me. Even what my church was taught, just like rely on God. He's going to save you or pray to God. Like I could have prayed until my face turned blue and I probably would have went back and continued to do drugs and the things I did. At the end of the day, I had to go, all right, these are the results I'm getting in my life. I do not want these results at all. No way. I got to change. And that's when I was like, one thing at a time, personal responsibility. It started with drugs. Cold turkey quit that. Then I'm like, all right, 
now that I'm sober, I come home one night, I wash my hair, I smell cigarette smoke coming out of my hair. I'm like, all right, I got to quit this. Cold turkey quit. And then, you know, fortunately, I had somebody kind of like you. And I think if we know that we need to grow and we make changes, we'll align ourselves with that person that we need in life. I really do. And so that's what happened. I made these changes. I started getting better. I knew I did not want to serve tables anymore. I got an invite to sell cars with a friend, really good friend of mine. And I got introduced to the secret, which is can be very far fetched to a lot of people. But to me, it was a new way of thinking. And I was like, I'm going to try this new way of thinking. And I went from an average car salesman to 10 to 15 cars a year or a month to sold 24 cars the next month. I was the number one salesman out of 50, like almost 50 salespeople, big dealership. And I was just like, wow. Now there goes a lot of things like for you to really believe and visualize. You got to have confidence in yourself. And it's more than that. You've got to work for it every day. Um, so I'm a big believer in daily growth, you know, to get, to get those results. Um, but that's, I think it starts with self responsibility and you take one small step at a time. So if you're, what's the thing that's making you feel the worst? Is it your fitness? Is it your income? Is it your family relationships? Is it your spirituality? I would tackle that thing first because I think in life, life is meant to be abundant. We should have peace of happiness, peace of mind, and we should have joy. So the first thing you want to, I think, tackle is that thing that makes you feel the worst, you know? And then you go from there and you say, all right, I'm going to take personal responsibility. I don't like, you know, the way I look or I don't like the way I feel every day. So I'm going to start eating better or I'm going to start doing a little exercise and commit to that. You know, don't overwhelm yourself with all these changes at once because chances are you won't be able to sustain it. Uh, if you want sustainable results. Now, sometimes there's, it does require massive action. Again, I was doing drugs. I was on a bad path. If I maybe stepped my way out of that, I might not be dead, but I'd probably still be in jail. So I had to like massive action there. <laughs> you know, there's, there's times that call for that, but I think for the most part, we could dramatically improve our lives by making small commitments, sticking to them and then building on top of that. Absolutely brilliant. Chuck, um, I cannot wait to piece this together into um, a success pathway for people. I mean, your conversation lit me on fire talking about habits, priorities, hope being a way to combat fear, commitment. There's, there's a lot of magic here, Chuck. So uh, I think gone, uh, if anybody's listening to this and still has any semblance of excuse left in them, um, I, I think, Chuck, you're going to have to beat some of these principles in, in, into people because excuses should not have any part, neither should fear after, after listening to this episode. Well, I would like to leave on one note because I know that um, sometimes what I say, it lights people up. And sometimes what I say, it's a lot for them to take in. But I told my friend this the other day and, and I truly, truly mean it. Um, you know, don't rush things. 
don't feel bad. Just this is my, if I could put it into one line, like if you want to be successful at anything, I, I prefer the whole thing in life. You know, I like the whole circle. I like to be well-rounded. I like to have the fitness, the family, the business, you know, all that stuff. But anything you want to be successful at, even if you want the, the whole shabam, which I think it's all about, like you can have a lot of money, but you're not really wealthy if you're not in good health. You're not experiencing life to the fullest. Are you waking up every day feeling energized? Are you feeling good? Do you have the energy to, you know, go on hikes and go see nature or go on trips or whatever? You know, if you're not in optimal health and you're not feeling good and you got to constantly visit doctors and stuff like that, you're not experiencing life to the fullest. So I do believe it's well-rounded. Getting back to that one sentence. <laughs> so I told my friend, and I truly believe this, if you wake up every day, and you grow and you work on yourself every day. Now there, that encompasses a lot of things. You might be working on your marriage. You might be working on your business. You definitely want to work it on yourself. If you notice you're maybe quick to anger, how can you work on your temper? Or maybe you're not on time. How can you start being on time a little bit more? But if you wake up every day and you spend time growing and you put an effort in to grow, there's no way you can't succeed. No way. The more effort you put in daily, I think will get you results faster. But then again, keep in mind, you want that to be sustainable. So huge believer in that. My personal routine for growth in the morning runs probably, if we include the gym, it's probably about three hours. But that's, you know, that's a lot. And that's been built up over years. And the gym is, you know, probably an hour, an hour and a half out of that. The rest is you know, 15, 20 minutes of reading, 25 minutes of meditation. Uh, obviously got to put in offers for my business and then, oh yeah, I'm studying Spanish. So that's 15 minutes a day. So, you know, yeah, that together, it's roughly three hours, but, um, you know, people don't need to spend an hour and a half, an hour in the gym. You can get a really good workout in, in 45 minutes. So maybe start off small, do 30 minutes of, of growth per day growth exercises, uh, and then build from there. Cause I think once somebody starts building solid habits and they see solid results, if they're like me, they're going to get addicted and they're going to want more. And they're like, Oh, okay. What happens if I put down this bad habit? <laughs> I love that, man. That is actionable. That is doable. That I think can most certainly help people in transition right now. Uh, establish a better foundation from which to continually leap from. So I appreciate that, Chuck. Um, if if you look at your circle of life right now, what area of growth is really enticing and exciting to you in this moment, in your transition? Um, two things, uh, finances and I'm going to call it, Man, in my four pillars, I would call it communal, but I feel like it's more on the spiritual side for me. Uh, so financial finances, I'm in a new area. I've never been in my life. Um, you know, never had any net worth <laughs> at all. So I have net worth and, you know, playing with some of the money and growing the money. That's exciting stuff. But also what's going on with, um, man, I want to watch the first first podcast I did with you compared to this one. 
uh, feel like it's a day and night difference. And I think that's because I've overcome a lot of stuff in my life and I've been able to remove a lot of, uh, I don't know what you would call maybe blockages. And I'm getting to the point where not only do I want to share this stuff, but I almost don't have a choice. People are calling me, um, whether it's about fitness or business or relationship, um, you know, so, uh, it's very exciting that I'm in a position where I have the mental capacity, the emotional capacity and the bandwidth to share with others. Uh, and I don't think like I'm a guru, or I'm going to teach them anything they don't know. I think we know this stuff all on the inside. It's just a matter of us letting go of some of this stuff that we've just been programmed with since we were very, very little. So I'm excited to start waking up these giants and other people because i think what i'm feeling now is in all of us you know and we have different goals and different wants in life but the feeling of winning of accomplishment of you know just again being on top of your game it's amazing and there's there's no drug there's no amount of money there's no amount of alcohol there's no amount of anything that can top the feeling so Excited. That's probably the most exciting thing, you know, and that ties into launching that YouTube channel. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 what what spoke to me from what you just said, it's it's almost like a reprogramming of your brain. I, I was saying on a webinar this past weekend that I think we take better care of our iPhone software than we do our mental software. And you've you've clearly done enough programming of some some codes of life and living that I think make you shine and show up a little bit differently. So then I think people have seen you, Chuck, and they, they've seen the outcome of your software upgrade and, and people are going to need help upgrading their software. So I think your, your four pillars are, are going to be those codes that people can instill into their own software and, and upgrade their performance, which is going to get them different outcomes. Like you said, uh, with, with that in place, success is, is expected. It's not going to be a surprise. It is engineered into the way you program your life. So wisdom, my brother, thank you for that. Absolutely. And you're right. We, our brains are very much like software. So if you think in that regards, if you want to upgrade to a better software, <laughs> start doing it. And that's how I got started. Actually, I was just like, I read, uh, I think I mentioned it on the first uh, podcast as a man thinketh. And I resonated with the philosophy. He's really kind of punching in your chest about personal responsibility, but he digs in a little bit deeper on a, on a spiritual level and kind of explain why this reality is constructed in this manner that it is. And it resonated with me so much. I just kept reading it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Cause I was like, this is the pro that, that will look like the best option for programming for me compared to what I had. And so that's what I did. And I've slowly built from that. And I think anybody can do that. Love it. So if you had to leave the listeners with a mantra or, or a quote or, or something, if, if they just need something to hang on to during this transition that, that keeps them committed, keeps them promised to themselves, keeps them combating fear, what would be a, a mantra that you use or a quote that you recognize that might help someone? 
man, not even just two words, daily growth, daily growth. And I mean that, and I'll put some context to it just because there's been two periods of my life. One was the pandemic. <clears throat> the other was, I'll rewind back to when I opened essentially my first business, it was a bar on sixth street. Um, those two times were very, very rough. Um, they're again, like the pandemic I, in the bar I had went from, I had a bartending job in Dallas. I had a little cash. I was actually almost getting in a comfortable situation for the first time in my life, or I thought I was, I didn't even have a car at the time, uh, but life was getting better. I was starting to make a little more money, but my brother and I always been an entrepreneur. I thought we could do it better. Went to Austin. We're from Temple, an hour north, opened a bar on 6th Street, had trouble with the city, it got shut down. So with that being said, all my money that I did have saved up was gone into the bar. I was literally about as broke as you could be. And I mean, I just was like, all right, I've got to just do more. I got to read more. I got to work out more. I got to keep getting better. I got to find something that makes money. And I just did that relentlessly every day. I was practically poor. Me and my brother and, we, and our two dogs were staying at a friend's house, which is 500 square foot duplex. I was poor, broke, could cut my hair, taking turns buying each other's grocery. I just knew I got to keep working out. I got to keep reading. I got to find something that works better. I got a daughter and I'm broke. I am broke. I found real estate during this time. This has been the biggest blessing of my life. I've been in real estate for seven years. We had a record year last night, last year. I don't never thought I would ever be making this much money. I mean, I have big dreams, but like, you know, it's just making over six figures for the first time. I was just like, wow, you know? And so that happened during a time that was really, really hard where most people want to hang up their hat and just be like, I'm done. Give me a nine to five. Sign me up for the benefits. Give me the wife, the house in the suburbs. I'm done. I'm done. I'm over. <laughs> but me, I was like, no, like I'm an entrepreneur. I got to keep going. And so through that very, very tough time, it's like the, the rose that grew from concrete. We found this business and, a, and a, I mean, I kept growing, it took a few months, but from the time we started our business, to the time we got our first $25,000 check was about 30, 30 days. And that 30, that 25,000, it's not a lot to some people that changed my life at the time. So another thing, same thing with the pandemic last year, a lot of people hung their hats, a lot of people. Um, and I want to pause and I want to say that anything the government gives you is a fraction of what you deserve. It's Fraction is so little compared to what you actually deserve. So <clears throat> with that being said, a lot of people hung, hung their hats up or they use it as an excuse to just do nothing. Um, you know, but there was other people that didn't. They said, hey, I got a business. I'm going to pivot. Hey, there's going to be a lot of opportunities. Let me keep an eye out. You know, and same thing. I, I doubled down. I continue to work on myself harder. I started hitting the gym harder. I thought I was already taking care of my health. I started taking care of my health harder because I, I don't want to rely on somebody else 
to know that I'm in good health. And so started doing these things. And sure enough, last year, I had, we had a record year in business, but I personally had a re record year in life, like just lots of lots of lots of accomplishments. So I want to encourage people to, yes, those two words, daily growth. But whenever stuff hits that you may want to naturally react in a state of fear to, those are the times you double down and you're like, I'm going to boss up and you just keep working. I mean, look at that. If you had, if we had that mindset, like, okay, now all of a sudden you got extra 40 hours a week, you don't have a job, you know how much stuff you can build and create with that. Like that's a lot of time, but unfortunately we're not trained to think like that as a society. So when stuff hits like that, we buckle down, we buy a bunch of toilet paper and we're like, Ugh. <laughs> it's just like, it's a, it's a good chance for us to charge forward and maybe focus on, you know, something else. So if I can leave with that, that's what I would say day, daily growth and, and, and buckle down when things get ugly, buckle down. We do it in business. Uh, when there's a holidays or vacation and stuff, we double up and we usually make extra money because of that. And I think life is the same way now that you're, necessarily competing with others for life but i think that life is going to test you and throw things at you and i think the people that really double down and push forward are the people that get rewarded so just want to i guess i'll leave with that <laughs> absolutely brilliant i wanted to pause there so i could cut it off right there that is the best way to end in the episode chuck once again sir you knocked this one out of the park. Yeah, this was better than episode 20. This will be episode 59. So um, wow. there have been a few episodes since episode 20. So I can't wait for you to compare and contrast the two. Yeah, man. All right. And again, I appreciate you having me on. And uh, seriously, I appreciate our conversations and and the encouragement, man. It's uh it resonates through a lot of things. I'm constantly you know, thinking and growing and I'm also talking with other people. So uh, encouraging others has not necessarily been my strong point. I think I'm good at like sharing stuff that I've learned. And if somebody asks for some advice, I think I'm great at delivering advice, but like genuinely like showing interest and being encouraging. Um, that's something I haven't been the greatest at but you're really good at it. And so I'm now like taking that. And when I'm having these interactions with other people, I'm like, all right, before I give you some advice, let me encourage you on this. Like, you're doing good here. You know, keep it up here. And let's, so I just want to say, I appreciate you, man. And it's uh, everything you're doing. It's, you know, spreading out there. <laughs> oh, I love it, man. I love it. And you know, that is a, a practice for me of, of being present uh, in the moment with another soul in, in this world. I mean, it's a gift to me, the older I get and my longevity in this world shortens these kind of relationships matter more um, just because nothing's guaranteed. And man, just a few moments with superheroes that walk amongst us that, that makes uh, this old gray back uh, a joyful, joyful man that, you know, it's a, it's a legacy of leadership that is going to continue to expand. If I, if I can influence you with, with showing some care and concern and support 
and you go carry that out, man, that's the best way to pay it forward. So kudos to you, brother. Yeah, man. Thank you. Em. Appreciate hey, you. thanks for your time. I know we went a, a little over, so bless you for uh, spending, <laughs> spending over an hour with me. I appreciate that more than you know. Oh, absolutely, man. Have fun. All right, my friend. Well, my best to the missus. Go enjoy the rest of your evening, sir. All right, Edwin. You Peace, as well. brother. See you later.